The FT. Kenyans are in mourning after Islamist militants shot their way into a university in the remote northeast town of Garissa, targeting Christians and leaving 148 people dead. It was the worst act of terrorism in East Africa's largest economy in almost two decades. But one of the most worrying aspects of the attack was that it appeared to have been carried out by homegrown militants. I'm Fiona Simon, and on the line with me is Katrina Munson, our correspondent in Nairobi. Hi, Katrina. Could you tell us what we know about who carried out the attack? This attack was claimed almost immediately by Al Shabab, the Islamist militant group based in Somalia. But what seems to be slightly different about this attack is that the Kenyans have arrested four Kenyans and a Tanzanian in connection with it already. They're looking for what they're calling the mastermind of the attack, who is also a Kenyan who comes from Garissa, but had fought with Al Shabab in Somalia. And of the four attackers that we know were killed during the attack by the end of that day, the lead attacker seems to have also been a Kenyan, who in fact had studied in Nairobi at the university here, studied law, and then gone missing. He'd been reported missing by his father, who was also a government official. So in that sense, it's an Al Shabab attack. But of a much more domestic nature. What is the origin of Al Shabab, and why are they targeting Kenyans? Al Shabab means the youth, and it effectively grew out of the Islamic Courts Union in Somalia in the mid 2000s. Somalia has been at war since 1991, a, a very ghastly civil war. Now, the Islamic Courts Union were the first groups、uh, of Sharia courts that really brought any semblance of stability to Somalia. But they were seen also as a threat because of potential leanings towards Al Qaeda, or certainly their Sharia standing. But it was seen as a threat by the U.S. and Ethiopia. Which neighbours Somalia, and as the Islamic Courts Union began to be defeated by 2006, 2007, Shabab really grew out of them as, as a radical youth wing, and then proceeded to take over huge swathes of territory in Somalia, run ports, established a tax base, not only at the port but also checkpoints along the road. And as they've been put under more pressure, and as foreign fighters have joined them, they've looked further afield, not only at Somalia but also at those African countries. Trying to combat them, Uganda, Djibouti, and Kenya. Now, Kenya invaded Somalia. It said to protect itself after a series of kidnappings in 2011, and that's the main reason that Al Shabab still gives for attacking Kenya today. It asks、uh, Kenya to remove the KDF, the Kenyan Defence Forces, from land in Somalia. But it also gives a few other reasons, depending on what's going on. Last year, it attacked several communities. In the coastal regions, saying that it was also because Kenya had been, it said, assassinating radical imams who were doing their work in Kenya. What's the appeal of this organisation for Kenyan citizens? Well, it, I mean, it's not clear. I think in the last few years, experts estimate that something like 500 plus Kenyans who have fought with Al Shabab have come back across the border. Now, in a nation of 44 million people, that's not many. But Kenya is home to a large Muslim community, probably four million plus, including ethnic Somalis. Now, there's been a history of tension between Muslims and Christians in Kenya, but very rarely reaching boiling point. 
But the sense is that Muslims are increasingly marginalised from society, not just because of historic grievances over things like land, particularly on the coast where the Muslim community is largest, but also that they have been targeted. And as Kenya has tried to stem this terrorist threat, critics say that Kenya has over-focused on Muslim communities without really specifying individuals. And they've rounded up, locked up, hundreds, sometimes thousands of Somalis at a time, at one point in the national stadium here in cages. And also there have been these attacks on radical imams, which the Kenyans have not claimed responsibility for, but they have certainly raided mosques wearing shoes with weapons, and they found weapons inside these mosques. But the fear is that at the same time they've helped to radicalise the very youth that they want to uh, keep on the straight and narrow, as it were. Is there a sense now that the government might change its strategy, given that this latest attack was led by homegrown militants? In a way, the government already has changed its strategy because it's identified the problem. That hasn't really happened in previous attacks at Westgate Shopping Mall or the Pecatoni attacks. The government was quick to blame political opposition and local politics rather than a larger terrorist problem. So in the words, that's begun to change. And President Kenyatta, after the attack said that he would not allow any attempt to create an Islamist caliphate in Kenya. But he also very much pointed the blame for domestic radicalization to communities that are deeply embedded within Kenya. He said that radicalization was conducted in the full glare of day in madrasas, in homes and in mosques with rogue imams. Now, what it does next isn't quite clear, and that may, in the end, signal mass targeting of Muslim communities and what many Muslim community leaders say to me amounts to collective punishment. But there is a sense already today the Supreme Council of Kenyan Muslims says that it will help vet preachers and Quran teachers around the country. The Kenyan security say they're going to put more plainclothes police officers out on the street as well as uniformed police officers. So there is a sense that the Kenyans will step up security and also look at Muslim communities. But whether they will do it in the right way and involve communities and really try and establish a back and forth with with youth who may be in a position to inform or form what uh, security experts call a complicit surround around terrorism isn't yet clear. What about regional efforts to crack down on al-Shabaab in Somalia? How successful are they and could this resolve the problem? In Somalia, there's a huge amount of effort going on and you have a UN-backed African Union force where those troops come from Djibouti, Ethiopia, Kenya, Burundi and Uganda. So you have five different African nations trying to push back Shabab and they've been extremely successful. One of the reasons that Shabab is attacking in Kenya and the region is because they don't hold sufficient land anymore in Somalia. They've lost their ports, they've lost their ability to tax people, they've lost their ability largely to train as well and to experience daily combat. But that's not to say that the threat has dissipated in any way throughout the region. Shabab in recent years has targeted all of these countries and there have been a series of higher alerts recently, including in Kampala, the capital of Uganda. But it does seem at the moment that they are succeeding in Kenya on soft-touch targets. There hasn't been an attack in Nairobi for quite a while now. This attack was a university in a largely Muslim area in a quite remote part of northeastern Kenya. And the diplomats who follow this say that they got a soft target basically because they could. What impact is all this having on the Kenyan economy? 
Well, the Kenyan economy is doing rather well. The IMF and others expect it to grow at about 6% this year. Where this does really, really hit is tourism, and the country is entirely tourism-dependent. Now, that's taken a real hit, just as the president, who, who, when he came in, said we want to reach 5 million visitors a year, was hoping to improve that number. In the first three months of the year, something like two dozen hotels along the coast have closed, and in the safari sector, which really shouldn't be affected by this because the safari areas are in entirely different parts of the country, they too have witnessed uh, quite a strong downturn which is affecting not only their pockets but also their ability to conduct conservation programs and look after uh, some of Kenya's rarer animals such as rhino. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts.